Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grave, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com. Calling in from wonderful Bonita Springs, Florida, as I do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. And we have got yet another fantastic episode lined up for you guys. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, the Associate Dean of Directions University. Jack's calling in from Richmond, Indiana, and he's going to tell us all about our guest. Hello, Jack. Hello. We have Brian Basilico on today. I'll give you a little introduction, Brian, and then you can fill in the blanks where I missed something, if I do. Sounds good. good at this. <laughs> Brian Basilico is an internationally recognized author and speaker. He's the founder and president of B2B Interactive Marketing, an award-winning marketing consulting and production company in Aurora, Illinois. B2B helps companies and nonprofits market their products and services through the effective use of online tools, including websites, blogs, email, social networking, Google, SEO, YouTube, and more. Brian's been at this for over 30 years. He started his first production company in 79, has produced thousands of projects for hundreds of companies, ranging from solopreneur to Fortune 100. Brian combines years of marketing experience and technical expertise to build online campaigns that continue to produce measurable results. A musician, technician, programmer, producer, consultant, he's built a reputation for creativity, innovation, and translating geek into English. Brian is also an adjunct professor, trainer, speaker, and author of many marketing and social networking blogs and articles. How was that? That was good. <laughs> that was really good, Jack. I wrote Thanks. that myself. Actually, I, I stole it. I completely stole it from you. That's Welcome, okay. you man. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? Good. It's been not that long since we saw you at NAMS in Atlanta. Yeah, about a month. Where we first met, you and I. I know you and Gina go back a little ways. How did you and Gina meet? Uh, at NAMS. Oh, okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. where we all meet each other nowadays, I guess. Exactly. Heading out on the conference circuit. It's a blast. (laughs) So what are you working on these days? What's going on with you now? Oh, man. All kinds of stuff. Um, You know, everything from client projects to uh, finishing up some courses, online training, you know, doing coaching, consulting, speaking, working on my fourth book. Lots of different things. Never bored. Never boring. All right. So here's the big fat loaded question where are you getting all your traffic well i'm getting all my traffic primarily through social media and that's that's one of the specialties that i do and uh i spend a lot of time in that space and using a lot of different social media facebook linkedin twitter google plus youtube uh pinterest you name it i mean all those kind of things and that really helps me develop an online presence get to know people, get them to know, like, and trust me, and that's where the majority of my traffic is coming from. What's your favorite? What's the most interesting to you lately? What do you gravitate towards social media-wise when you, when I, you first fire yeah, up the I gr- computer? Yeah, I, I usually gravitate towards 
Facebook because that seems to be the place that you can build and grow relationships. Um, there's a lot more interaction on that, especially, I mean, getting back from NAMS. NAMS was a mind melt because we had, um, when I was down there, I was part of five groups. And when I say five groups, I was a speaker. Um, so I was in there as a speaker. I was a attendee. I was uh, part of the tech crew which they call AIDS, and then there's the joint venture group, and then there's the insider club. And so we're down at this conference with about 400 people, and there probably was a 1,000 messages a day. It was just absolutely mm. insane. And then so trying to keep up with that was obviously a challenge. But the other thing is a lot of the relationships that I made down there for the first time uh, have been ten times solidified by being on Facebook and being able to interact with people. So there's a lot of groups that I've been added to and, and a lot of people that I've been able to keep up with. I mean, one of our friends who was actually one of the aides this weekend jumped out of an airplane, which she won, and had a video sitting up on Facebook. And there was so much buzz about that kind of stuff. So the thing I love about Facebook, it really is a multimedia immersion, meaning that you know there's there's lots of interaction on video. There's lots of great things that you can do with images, lots of plugins, ways to build brand pages, all those kind of things. What about email marketing? What's, um, how are you converting people when, when you're working on Facebook? What's your primary focus when you're looking to get them off Facebook, which is a really hard thing to do sometimes, uh, mm -hmm. and to your site? How, how do you work that? Well, I, my strategy is this, and this is the way that I primarily work. I do a blog. Uh, I actually do a radio show, a blog talk radio show, every Monday morning. But then I also do a blog and a podcast series every single week. As a matter of fact, Gina, you, you're scheduled to be interviewed here pretty soon. And so the way that that works is I do an expert interview. The expert interview is edited, and then I do a monologue podcast. So I do two podcasts a week. And then I write a blog in between all of that. So then Monday... I put out the monologue. Tuesday, I put out the blog. Wednesday, I put out the uh, guest expert interview. And then Thursday, I do a email digest. Now, what that allows me to do is I, I send out an email on Monday saying, here's this week's stuff coming up on the podcast, and then I have the email digest. And a lot of those pieces are put into uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest. And what happens is, is from there, People get to the websites that I have. I have um, a, a lot of websites. And they get to the websites, and then from there they'll sign up for the email lists. And that's how I've been able to really steadily grow my email list over the course of the last five or six months. Nice. So you've really systemized your, uh, your approach. You know what you're going to be doing every day, generally. Exactly, yeah. And I have a, um, I've got a, a marketing calendar set up for what topics are coming up, and right now I'm in, like when I first started the podcast, it was pretty much, okay, what are the tools that are available at our fingertips? And I actually had one on blogging, one on doing killer websites, one on podcasting, and now I'm in a kind of a coaching mode, and then after that I'm going to get into a social media mode. So I've really kind of laid out all of the different topics, the guest experts. So it really cuts down on writer's block. It gives people a path to follow it's very useful information that's very shareable, and so that's it creates an incredible amount of engagement. And then, of course, you know, then what do you do once you get people on your email list? Well, 
you know, the, the goal is to do whatever your goal is, and that is either to get them to come to webinars, to purchase products, to join my coaching groups, you know, whatever it is. So key thing that you, you have to do is you do have to have a plan because if you don't have a plan, you're just kind of, you know, shotgunning it out there and just hoping that something sticks to the wall. Right. And not a lot gets done, really. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> and then you write your first blog post on how bad social media sucks or how, ba- how bad content marketing is or right. something like that. And that's mm-hmm. embarrassing when Brian comes up to you and says, it didn't have to be that way. Right. You know. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's very, as long as you have, I mean, I, it, I also wrote a book, and I think you guys saw that. It's called It's Not About You. It's about bacon. But the key thing is relationship marketing in the social media world. That's really what the book is about. And the whole thing that it really boils down to is how do we grow and nurture relationships in a way that is functional and also converts into business one way, shape, or form. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody you touch on social media or via email or something like that is going to be a direct client. But if you're building up that know, like, and trust factor with people, they may turn around and say, you know, if somebody says, does anybody know anybody who can help me set up a Facebook fan page? first person they're going to come to is potentially me because I talk about those things. I've got blogs about it. I've got podcasts about it, uh, articles that are in different areas. And, you know, my blogs are shared like crazy all over the place. I get about a million views a, a week. So there's a lot of credibility that's built up. And by doing that, there's people that are willing to recommend me and, and point people in my direction. So a lot of times it's the secondary traffic from all of that marketing that really pays off. Yeah. Isn't it funny how uh, if you look at your analytics, I know you see this uh, Mm -hmm. because I think we all do, is you're out there doing so many things in so many places. First of all, people think that you have a massive staff. And Mm -hmm. uh, when you really got it down, when you've got it scheduled the way that you do and you have it planned the way that you do, you can look really like a puffer fish like way mm-hmm. bigger than you actually are. Like, wow, how does he get all this stuff done? Well, it's organization, man. It is. <laughs> it's having a plan. But it is still funny to watch your analytics and find out where people came from or just asking them, you know, that somebody mm-hmm. that you're just now starting to work with because they saw you somewhere. And sometimes those somewheres and those situations and the contexts are kind of strange. Do you have any examples of something like that in the last few months that somebody just came out of left field, so to speak? Yeah, I mean – it happens all the time, and you know most of the ones that I get are usually an introduction. It's like Brian meet Jack, Jack meet Brian, and you know Jack has this need. Why don't you guys talk? There's a lot of that, but then there's this occasional one, and and uh, I'm gonna give you an example. A lady just kind of found me out of the blue um, through social media marketing and through. Google searches, and she went through and she read my blog, she went to my websites, and she gets on the phone and she she calls me and she says, she goes, hi, Brian, I found you on the internet and I want to get to know you better and work with you because I could tell you're not a BSer. She said the full full version of it, and I just started cracking up. And uh, it, it's a lady who's um, you know selling health products out of Florida, and she just wanted somebody to come in and help get her better situated on Facebook because, as most people you know get into social media, um, they get a lot of uh, disjointed information about how this works. 
And a lot of them say, okay, just set this up and just buy ads and you're going to get rich overnight. There's a gazillion of those get rich quick by putting pixel ads all over the place right now. Um, But without having the funnel defined, without having the plan defined, a lot of times what you end up getting are dead leads. Well, they'll get, you know, if you're in website development in any way, shape, or form and you understand, and your analytics point is incredibly important. Because if you don't understand how people are flowing through your website, you're never going to be able to capture what it is that you're going to want to capture, whether it's to get them to join your email list, to buy a product, to pick up the phone and call you to do those things. So a lot of people will put energy into social media, and they'll actually get the traffic back to their website, but their website sucks so bad, and it's so convoluted and confusing that nobody can figure out what you want them to do, that they just drop off the face of the earth. So then people turn around and say, social media sucks because it's not generating any business when in reality it was doing exactly what it should, but your website was not designed or was too convoluted in a way that people just didn't get it and didn't give you the desired response. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people get to the point where they're good at one of the social networks, one of their favorites, usually Facebook, mm-hmm. and then they think that they're done. And that's not actually true because then you end up with somebody who's, Look, look at all my engagement. Look at my insights. Isn't that great? And I'm like, well, what? how does that translate into money? How do right. you, are you getting any leads from that? And it's like, no, but look at my engagement. Look at my insights. Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's, it's kind of, you know, so I always encourage people to think about what you want to do first and always keep that first and foremost mm-hmm. in your mind and then, and then go use those tools and get good at them to serve what you want to do, what you want to happen. And I think a lot of people kind of go at it from the middle out. They're just kind of like, yes. you know, like the I, they don't really have a plan. They're like, well, i got to be on social. somebody, Or they just bounce around. I see that constantly. They just bounce around. I'm doing Facebook this week. What are you doing Facebook for? I thought right. you were marketing. I thought you were getting new leads and customers. No, I'm just working on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> Well, I went to this webinar and they said do this, and I've been trying it, and it just you know it's supposed to work. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that um, I have you know on top of everything else, and it kind of make a long story longer, um, but not too long because we don't want to bore people. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was a musician, and then I opened up my first business. I did in '79 was a recording studio in my father's basement. And so I decided that I wanted to be in the recording industry. So the two things that I ended up doing is I went to DeVry and I got a degree in electronics. And then I went to the recording workshop and got a degree in recording engineering. And both of those things were kind of, you know, where I was headed. But the key thing about electronics is, is the troubleshooting philosophy, which is a lot of people don't understand this. The troubleshooting philosophy starts at the end result and then works backwards. So let's just say, you know, that we're working, we're trying to get sound out of a mixing console. So we don't start at the mixing console. Where we start is at the speaker where the sound actually comes out. Is that plugged in? And then we go to the amplifier and make sure the amplifier is turned on. And then we make sure that the mixer is plugged into the amplifier and then the mic is plugged into the mixer. So you do things in a backwards direction. And that's really helped me to better understand the whole marketing principle of, you know, what's the end result that we want people to get? And that is to pull out their credit card or to pick up the phone or whatever it is that your business has. So if you can maximize that portion and make sure that that's working, 
then you work on the marketing messages that gets people to actually do what it is that you want them to do. Then you go back and you start working on the tools that drive people to those marketing messages. And each one of those are individual parts in the system, and you have to make sure that each one of them are working properly in order for the whole system to work. Well, as a collector of metaphors and analogies, I love that one. I'm putting it in my pocket. There you go. <laughs> haven't heard. We haven't we haven't gotten that one yet. The recording studio kind of thing. So that's perfect. And so it's so. What would you? So I'm your new client. I just you just mm-hmm. uh, I just hired you today, and uh, and I need a plan. And mm-hmm. what, what's the process you go through with people? To do something like, I mean, they probably come up, come to you, and they go, "Man, he's really got it together." They've, he's got this thing on Monday, he does this thing on Tuesday. I want something like that. I want a basilica. What can I do to get something like that? Where do you start with people when they're brand new clients? Oh, uh, well, it's easy. The first thing that we do is we do a half hour consultation, and I find out who they are, what they are, who's their ideal client, and what, how much money do they make on each ideal client. And the first thing I determine is, are we going to be successful? If we're not going to be successful, then I try to help them find a way or some person or a tool that's going to at least get them to where they need to be. But that's that's number one in my book. And I have a, a value proposition, which I call the three-to-one rule. And that is, if you're going to spend a dollar with me, you need to be able to make three bucks. You need to make a buck to pay for me, a buck to pay for your time, because if you're not going to be involved in the process, we are not going to be successful. And then the third thing is you have to make a profit. So what I sit down to determine with each client is, okay, let's make sure that that model fits. If that model fits, then the next thing is to figure out what's their budget. Because, you know, you get a lot of people that say, I want a Brian, but I got $500. And it's like, okay, well, that's going to buy you the car stereo, but that is not going to buy you the car. Um, so, you know, it can with that $500, can we make a success happen? If we can't, then we have to sit down and say, okay, here's, you know, here's what your budget is going to be. Does this make sense for you and your business? And if it does, then we sit down and start to develop all of the steps necessary to make that happen. It may be going back to originally what I said is let's go back and look at the offer and let's fix the website first. And a lot of times people have antiquated websites. A perfect example of this is something that just happened today. Guy who owns a music store um, had his son design his website in Weebly. And if you know anything about websites, Weebly is a free website thing. Oh boy. His son, yeah. his son, his son took a class in, in website design and is a graphic designer, and he has three pages. None of them look alike. There's no call to actions, and there's nothing happening on that site. Um, it just is a three-page, just uh, got it up there. It doesn't look like anything and, and couldn't possibly have any end results to it. So son can't get a form. Dad wants to have instrument rental forms put up on the website. And they say there's two ways to do this. Just scan the form and put it up as a PDF, have people fill it out and send it to you, or we make a dynamic one. And he said, well, you know, let's make a dynamic one. I said, okay, fine. So I started making the dynamic form. And, you know, and in order to do that, I had to actually get him a WordPress site so that we had something that would actually capture data. <laughs> and if a Weebly gets wind, you know, like on WordPress.com, if you, if you do anything that's a money-making activity, they can shut your site down. And once your site goes down, everything goes down, right? So the same thing with Weebly. Yeah. 
they can do the, they can shut you down in a heartbeat. So, you know, the son comes back and says, well, why are you charging my dad so much? And I'm not charging him a lot. And why didn't you do this in Weebly? And I had to explain to the dad and I had to explain to the son. It's like because Weebly is not the right answer. And so that, that becomes one of the challenges, too, is the education portion of, you know, are you willing to, to listen and to learn from somebody that's done a 1,000 websites and worked with everything from solopreneurs to Fortune 100 companies? You know, if you're willing to, to be an active participant and, and be open to learn, then we have something to work on. So that's usually, you know, not, without being overbearing, that's really the first step because I want everybody to be successful. I'm in the business of making businesses more money. That's really what I do. And so, you know, when I'm driving traffic to my website, really what I'm doing is I'm using that as my own Petri dish to learn what's working so that I can apply that towards my end user customers. You know, my favorite site of yours is uh, the Bacon Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I really like it. It's just, uh, it's got everything that it needs, and I don't see any extraneous junk. So that's pretty important for somebody who just said he knows how to do that stuff. Uh, look Thank at you. Look at their site <laughs> and make yeah. sure that, that it's represented. What they say is represented there. And, uh, it's the only website on the whole web that I feel like I can it just it strikes a little bit of a smell thing. You know, like I can almost smell the bacon without even of course you can't smell a website. We haven't invented that yet. Right. Wow, what would the search results be like if we had uh smell as part of the algorithm? Oh, if we had smell as part of that, I would be number 1 on every search engine everywhere. Period. Yep. Bacon just the yep. smell of bacon does it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys even cook bacon at conferences, don't you? Yeah, yeah. When I was just uh, to fill speaking, the room I, with the smell. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and it filled the whole hall. You know, people were actually walking between classes, and they smelled the bacon. They came running in the room, grabbed a piece of bacon, and ran out to their next class. <laughs> yeah, it's wow. uh, it's a it's a brand, you know, and that's that's part of it too. Is is how do you brand somebody so that they stand out? You know, I always say, and you bring up a really great point. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, there's philosophies that work, and there's reasons that they work. And, you know, the whole thing about this Internet marketing thing is we're all learning all the time. If somebody says that they know it all, just pick up your running shoes and go the opposite direction because they don't, because the stuff changes way too fast. And, you know, when I first started in the Internet marketing space, um, I made the mistake of trying to throw all of my content into one website. And you know and I know that that doesn't work really, really well um, because every, you know, there's a perfect example of where that does not work is I work with, let's say, a heating and air conditioning contractor. And they have two different audiences. They have a residential audience and they have a commercial audience. They want to put everything into one website, and that's fine, but the problem is is that people have to dig through in order to get to the place where they, you want to get them unless you can drive them with very specific marketing right. messages, meaning you're going to use Facebook ads, you're going to use um, AdWords or something where you can direct them to a specific page because nine times out of ten, everything you're going to do is get them to your home page. So you're asking them to go through the analytical extra step of saying, I am a contractor and I want to click on the contract and commercial button, and now when I get there, now is when my interaction starts. Now you've, got, you've gotten two clicks from them, one or two clicks, and they're starting to get bored and you may or may not get the things that you want. So normally what I recommend is that people generate two different websites with two different URLs, one specifically for the residential that speaks 100% to their audience. 
that cares about their family, that has a, you know, a, a small to medium-sized house that is looking for air conditioning and heating, where the commercial side of things, you're dealing with purchase agents and, and, um, and larger installations and, and different kind of maintenance things that have to happen. And the site really needs to kind of grab the attention of the people that you're, you're trying to attract. And then, again, getting to that end result, what is the end result? The end result with a homeowner is they're going to pick, you, pick up the phone or they're going to fill out a form to book you to come get their air conditioner working. When you're dealing with a commercial contractor, the end result of that is you're going to have to go through a bidding process. So you're going to have to make it really simple for them to contact you, and then you have to have that process in place inside of your own business in order to make that happen. And each one should direct people to different locations because you don't want – the consumer salesperson picking up the phone going, oh, that's Jim, hold on, let me get him for you. You know, you want the phone to go directly to Jim because immediately that gives them a completely different impression of, hey, this person is really not 100% focused on my needs. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really, uh, I think we went so crazy with automated stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in the very beginning of the Internet, we started to figure things out. Nothing was automated, then we started to automate, and then, I think people just got caught up if they came on in 2005 or if they came on in 2010 or or last year they're still getting caught up in this little whirlpool of oh this is the internet is easy the business part of it is easy because of automation because mm-hmm. of things that we do that are taking you know some things out of our hands that really ought to be in our hands um, right you know cuz it's like well if you're like if you're a, a a consultant you need to talk to everybody you don't mm-hmm. you don't automate any of that stuff out because they're never going to hire you unless you're talking to them. So, but I think a lot of people get stuck in those processes. It's like, wait, I'm on the internet, and the reason that it's such a great thing to do is because you can leverage all this technology and what that means to them. You certainly can leverage all this technology, but you have to leverage it properly and in the right times, in the right places. And some places right. you absolutely don't because that's that missing. You know, you need to be on the phone or talking to this person on Skype or something at this moment, and you're blocking mm-hmm. them with some piece of thing that uh, you thought you were doing a good job, you thought you were doing something right by automating something, or just putting up too many barriers to get to you. And right. you're not going to need that. I mean, most people don't need – you don't have to automate that process because you don't need 10,000 clients. If you need a 10,000 clients – well, that's kind of weird, anyway. But you know, <laughs> you would have to have to you would have to automate it somehow and put a voice recording up. Then you're going to have to go after millions of people just to get your ten thousand because they're not going to like it. And probably right. only the kind of weird people, the clients that you probably don't want, are they going to be the ones that react to that kind of stuff, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it. A lot of this just starts with knowing who your perfect client is, and you know, I mean, you you've been in the business long enough. You know, most people turn around and say everyone. If they're breathing and have a wallet, mm-hmm. they're a client, right? No. <laughs> Everybody should want this. My product exactly. is air. Everybody right. breathes. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's <laughs> yeah. You got to know who your your perfect client is, and that's that's a and that's a challenge for every business because I mean I've been in marketing for thirty five years, and um, the story I tell all the time is I own a recording studio. Uh, commercial one. After after I owned my dad's studio, I actually went to work for AT and T in their video department learned how to shoot, edit, produce video, and then opened up a commercial recording studio that did audio for radio shows, TVs, all the Avon Lady cassettes, and those kind of things. And at that time, 
Um, I had a you know an upstairs office and a recording studio built into the basement with five employees, uh, half million dollars or excuse me a quarter million dollars worth of gear and a half million dollars worth of business, and it was fabulous. But that was 1990. Now I pick up my iPhone and for ten dollars I can buy an app that I could put on this that actually has better technology than what I had back then. So, oh yeah. You know, so oh, I ran into Mike Stewart at NAMS, and he, oh, you know, yeah. Mike, he's always got the yep. best of the best, the latest scoop on the, and man, what he was doing with his phone, and the only problem was his, the stuff that I liked, it was like a remote DJ uh, system, and it really, it mixed the music, the bumpers and everything, you just pushed a button and the music was loud, mm-hmm. or then you pushed your button, and it brought the music down so that you could talk over it, just like it was, it was mixing it live. And then right. I brought the music back up, you stopped it, and then you started the show. He's always got really cool gadgets like that, but that particular one was just for the iPhone, and I was I was depressed for the rest of the weekend because <laughs> I wanted to be like Mike. I always want to be like Mike. Uh-huh. Yeah, and being in Chicago, we have a Be Like Mike Jordan uh, commercials all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Right. No, this stuff is cool, but the, the, the point of it is is that – Things change in front of us so much that we have to learn to adapt. And, you know, our clients are adapting. When I started this business 15 years ago, uh, the last place that I went to, uh, had some stints after the, uh, sold the recording studio to a production company, uh, worked for them, developed websites and a whole bunch of other things, went to work for Arthur Anderson in their training center, and then went to work for an ad agency and learned how to do online marketing, advertising, that kind of stuff. And the very, very last piece is I started this 15 years ago. When I started this business, I was developing business card CDs where you could put, and I was programming oh, I macro, yeah. yeah, I programmed Macromedia Director, so I learned how to um, <laughs> code and you know made these interactive marketing things and put video on there when video couldn't be put on the internet because um, it just you know you didn't have YouTube and all the things we got now, and you know if, if I there was one time where my CD I had a multi CD burner. Um, and the thing died, and I went, oh, my God, i got to replace it. Well, then I, I finally went into my QuickBooks and started looking through my QuickBooks and realized that in the last year I only made $400 in CD duplication, and the cost to replace the thing was $2,500, and I go, well, that's stupid. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. So, you, you know, you've got to learn to adapt to what, you know, what's happening out there. Now, in our world, in the Internet marketing world, um, you know, the cell phone and the iPad and, you know, having responsive designed websites and those kind of things, you know, that's something that wasn't around three, four years ago, and that's that's relatively brand new. And, you know, static HTML websites are no longer a valuable thing to anybody. Now you have to use something like a, a Drupal or a WordPress that is dynamic, that is going to interact this way. Or then you got to get a third-party site that's going to convert what you do to mobile but looks like garbage and is not very user-friendly. So you know, the, the adaptation from our perspective is one thing, but then getting the, the audience that we're working with, our clients, to adapt to that and to understand the changes is something else that I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. Well, I think probably the number one thing that people get confused with, yes, things change and yes, we have to adapt and we have to uh we have to do whatever we can to keep our audience comfortable with what they're doing so that the mm-hmm. technology doesn't get in the way of making a deal. But there's also the thing that I think people confuse human nature as adaptable and human nature hasn't changed since we became humans. Human nature is exactly right. the same as it was when we were discovering fire and 
you know, painting things on cave walls. It has not changed. And a lot of people do things technology-wise that don't account for that. They're like, well, right. everybody can adapt to this new button. Like when everybody jumped on Meerkat, whatever the heck that was, and that stupid right. stuff that people come out with that are just flash in the pan, and people don't understand that a lot of that stuff is just dreamed up and then hyped out of Silicon Valley or a startup or investors or, or, or whatever. And, you know, and then they jump right on it, and it's like, I've got a Meerkat T-shirt. Right. <laughs> and that's about the only thing that they ever really created a value. But everybody hyped it up, and then a lot of people, go, they're like, marketers will go, well, now I need to incorporate that because obviously, you know, I need to move over this button out of the 40,000 buttons of ways people can get a hold of me and put Meerkat in there or some other stupid fly-by-night thing that hasn't been vetted yet because right. I have to do that because everybody's expecting it. And yet the world at large has not even heard of it, and they don't know mm-hmm. what to use it for, and your clients probably will never, ever use that thing. Because it's gonna, you know, it's getting usurped and passed in the market by other things that were thought out a little bit more and <laughs> work a little right. bit better. And you know, so there's the, the danger that people think, well, okay, I, I will be as good as my t- technology is the latest technology, or they will bury them, themselves in that. If you start trying to get your business to conform to whatever the latest flavor is. That's all you're going to be doing. You will not market anymore. You will not have time to do strategy sessions with clients. You won't have time to do anything. And it starts to really stress people out. And in that moment, it's it's kind of odd to see how many people don't know that they're in that situation. They come to you for help, and they're like, help. And, and, mm-hmm. and what's wrong? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're looking at them in this frenzy, in this tizzy of excitement and, and stress over all of the stuff that they're doing. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Remember human nature. Let's go back to the core. Always bringing people back to the core. It seems like that's a lot of our job, isn't it? It is, yeah. It sounds like you need to listen to my last podcast. Um, it was uh, called Overcoming Overwhelm. Um, you just sound so mm-hmm. overwhelmed with all that stuff. <laughs> and no, yeah, we, yeah. It, it's it's like you gotta, um, I mean, I, you gotta bring people down, right? It's like oh, talk yeah. them off the ledge, make sure everything. It's okay, it's okay. Just right. Get away from meerkat. <laughs> it's it, well, <laughs> and whatever it, it, it is. Whatever it is, it's like herding cats. You know, it's like do I go mm-hmm. here? Do I go here? Which one do I get? Which one do I use? And you know, the, the it's really you brought something up that's that's basic and simple, and I run into this all the time. Is you know, no offense to anybody who's just started doing web development, but, you know, because you've gone to school and done web development doesn't necessarily mean you understand marketing. And just because you've done marketing doesn't necessarily mean you understand online marketing. Because the the way that people utilize online stuff is different than the way that people utilize face-to-face stuff. And all of that is valid. I mean, there is absolutely nothing wrong with sending out a postcard or a thank you letter to somebody because that can be ten times more effective than having the most incredible meerkat-driven website in the world. You know, It yeah. just depends on who your audience is. And I think the one thing, and this is what my book really kind of focuses on, is is knowing who your audience is and communicating with them the way they want to be communicated to. So what happens is is these business owners, um, they get wind of the, the soup du jour, and whatever it is, if it's Meerkat or lead pages or whatever it is, and they go get it and they plug it in and then they spend hours and hours and hours trying to learn it. 
and they're fo- so focused on getting the right lead page set up that they forget all the other steps involved into it. When it really boils down to, and this is my favorite thing to say, is have you ever asked your customers what they use? What do they like? <laughs> and, you know, if, mm-hmm. if your audience, you know, if your audience likes using Google to find what they're looking for and they like filling out forms, then you know, give them that option. Get them to Google and get them to fill out a form. If they like picking up the telephone, then make your website mobile ready. As a matter of fact, in 2009, I won an award, and it was for Best Small Business Website. It was by the Internet uh, Advertising Competition. And it was for the best small business website. And that's because I was working for a tow truck company. And it was done in static HTML. This was pre-WordPress, before WordPress was really cool. And so what we did is when, you, when you're in a car and your car breaks down, okay, how are you going to find a tow truck company, right? Even in 2009. How? Um, wave your arms and wildly in the highway. Uh, well, you go online. Right. You pick up your mobile phone, right? And you go search, and you can search back then. So his website, all we did is on the static homepage, because the guy who originally designed his website was some consultant out of Florida, and he had wings flying through the air, and it was really super cool, and the phone number was moving <laughs> around on the wings, and it was like, oh, this is awesome, dude, check this out. The only problem is, is at the time, iPhones wouldn't use Flash. So his phone number and all his contact information didn't show up on the page, period. Didn't have it. So... And the navigation went away because it was all done in Flash, so he just basically he was dead in the water. So all we did is create a really simple, straightforward home page where in the middle of the page, his phone number was sitting there, and if you tapped it, it dialed it. That was it. So if somebody looked at it on a mobile phone, they tapped the button, it would dial the phone number and pick up the phone, and boom, that's the way it works. So that's why it won, mm-hmm. because it it basically understood the audience Tapped and the way they needed to communicate, you know? So... That that methodology works everywhere. Got to know who your audience is and how they communicate, and just know what they're you know really after. You know, right. uh, I mean, if, if you're stuck on the side of the road, you don't care about the wings. You don't care about anything but how cool it is right now that I'm kind of in this loud, stressful situation. Cars are flying by, and I can just tap this button and then put my hand up to my other ear so I can hear this person that's getting ready to come save my life. Right. <laughs> that's all you want, right? And exactly. that's a really good example of just knowing what kind of situation people are in, why you're doing what you're doing, what you're there for, to help people do what. Right. And then how short of a process can you create to, to get them from where they are now to talking to you or to filling something out or subscribing or buying or whatever it is you want people to do um, without gumming up the works with all of the trillions of pieces of advice that we have sitting on our hard drive from all the webinars that we've taken and all the other mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you brought up something really important for today, though. We are celebrating Mobile Geddon today. What, uh-huh. do you, yes, uh, what do you think about the whole, today is April 21st, and supposedly if your site is not what Google considers uh, mobile-friendly, and they have very specific things that they want to see on mobile sites from here on out, you mm-hmm. will not get the mobile-friendly label on their search results. And uh, you could just end up outside of their mobile index. They're creating a whole separate mobile index now Mm -hmm. uh, where it's kind of important stuff. This is a really big day. What do you think about all of this? Well, it's really important that people are going to find you via mobile. But if people aren't going to find you via mobile, that may or may not matter. I run into this all the time, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about. 
everybody says to me, I want to be number one on Google. And I said, okay, well, there's, there's only two ways to be number one on Google, and that is either pay Google or put up so much great information that Google cannot help but index you and put you to the top. Now, if you want to play all of the Google games and, and try to be, you know, it's almost like a badge of honor that when somebody searches for you, mm-hmm. that you're number one on Google. When in the end result is, is that if you're doing the rest of the marketing correctly, you're doing Facebook, you're doing email, you're doing face-to-face networking if you're a local business. If you're doing that stuff, a lot of times that's where the business is going to come from, not from all spending all your time jumping around on Google. Um, I love Google. I'm, I've spent years trying to make myself number one, or at least get on the first page, which was a, a feat of uh, Herculean strength is the way I like to say it, um, because it was, I mean, B2B interactive marketing, when I named my company back in 2001, the last thing I was thinking about was Google searches. And B2B interactive marketing is about as generic as Kleenex of a term. Um, but mm-hmm. through all of the things I've been able to do, I've actually got myself on the home page of Google. <laughs> and that's altered content yeah. marketing. So I, I the thing that I, I like to say about that is yeah, it's mobile getting day, but if your clients find you because you send out postcards and that's the way they interact with you, then, you know, spend more time working on the postcards. Um if your clients right. find you via mobile, then you better jump as high as Google wants you to. So that that's one of the things that it's the the devil is in the details in all of this stuff. So when you started out talking about analytics, go look at your analytics and see how many people are finding you via mobile. If it's more than 50%, yes, then stress. If it's less than 50%, then determine how much that less than 50%, I mean, you know, that less than 50% are the people on mobile actually getting to your sales page and buying stuff, or are they just Are they shopping? buying on mobile? That, that's the big discussion now is, right. is uh, in some of the groups on Facebook, I mean, you know, Harlan Kilstein, people like that are really, really getting into their stats now. The mobile getting thing and, and just the, the ongoing discussion we've had since mm-hmm. mobile's really taken off is about, well, wait a minute, why do I want to be? Like you said, why do I want to be? And they're asking those questions now. I'm so proud of everybody for doing this because they're mm-hmm. not just having knee-jerk reactions. Oh, my God, I've got to be on mobile because over 50%, some people say 60% now, of searches uh, for services and things like that are done on mobile. That you know, right. But then these guys are asking really important questions. Are your mobile visitors buying? Maybe they're right. finding you, and maybe that's good, but you can tell if you're watching your analytics whether your mobile users are of use to you or not. A lot of people, and, and, and the other part of the discussion is, a lot of people that are finding, marketers are finding, that a lot of people will find them on mobile Mm-hmm. just to do research, just to do what they can do, but they're not comfortable buying on mobile yet. It's kind of weird because we don't set our forms up always in the very best way to make it easy for somebody on a little phone to buy. Like they like to when they're go, you know, checking out with PayPal or something on a desktop or a laptop or even right. a, you know, a tablet. And mm-hmm. now these guys are starting to really get into that. It's like, well, they're not buying there. Yeah, they're not. That's probably their first point of contact. And so now they're working on really figuring out if they can track all right, do they come to us on mobile just to check things out and then make a note to themselves, email the page to themselves or something to remind themselves to come back when it's uh, when they have their desktop or their laptop or whatever they're using? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are finding that's true, that there's not, you know, but that doesn't mean that mobile is a bad thing in that situation. If that first contact doesn't happen, they don't email themselves a reminder to, or they don't save the page in Evernote or whatever app they use uh, mm-hmm. to come back to later. 
So it really does get that deep, but but I don't want people to freak out about all that stuff either because it really is simple. You make it sound what it really is and what it really should be. You've got to keep it simple. Where are your people coming from? What do they want? What do they need? And then just give it to them as directly as you possibly can. Right. And, you know, I sit here and I look at, I mean, I look at stats from every possible direction. Okay, so I've got this podcast. Um, it's a relatively successful podcast. I mean, I'm getting 70 downloads a day. So that's, you know, considering I'm doing two a week and it's consistently 70 a day, that's pretty good. You know, it's 350 people are listening to me per week. Now, when I go look at the stats on Google Analytics, um, they're getting to my website the majority of the time on mobile. I mean, it's like 70 to 80 percent, uh, or excuse me, they're getting to my website via desktop. 70 to 80 percent of the people that are looking at my blog and my podcast and all that stuff are coming in via desktop. But then when I go look at the, the stats online, which now deals with um, – with deals with something like uh, Apple, okay, 66% of them are coming in from iOS devices, meaning iPhones and iPads. So, you know, a lot of the traffic is coming from Apple where people are listening to the podcast that way, but then the traffic going to my website is actually more desktop than mobile. So you, you can't just look at one thing and say, this is the end-all, be-all. Does that make sense, I did or did I overcomplicate that? Well, it's a really important point, actually, because everybody's got a website, and they think that everybody interacts with their website in the same way and comes from the same places and, and or ever gets there at all. And that's actually not true. Your website is just a channel. And one of my favorite things to tell people is the entire Internet is your website. You know, your, your profile on Facebook, your podcast on iTunes, your website, your, you know, Twitter profile, and everything else you do, it better be served, you'd be better served if you thought of all of that as your website. Because at the end of the day, you don't own anything, and your website can go down if you're on HostGator or some stupid hosting right. You know that you don't really access. There's nothing any more concrete about you having your own domain name than having a profile on a third-party service. Right. Everything can be taken down. Everything can be lost. You know. And then how do you react to that? But mm -hmm. people, you made a really good point because people don't come to your site sometimes at all, or not in the order that you know they've been other places. And then once they get to your site, they have a different context about what to expect from you once they get to your site. So if you're starting at the wrong point where the majority of people are like, I've already heard this on all these other places. I wish I could just get the link to the latest podcast or the link to his latest book or whatever. We've already had this discussion. If your website's repeating that, that means you're chronically not, you're missing the mark on all the right. people that, how they come to your site, the context under which they come to your site, how much they understand about you. And there's a fine balance because a lot of brand new people who've never heard of you before come first to your website. They find a Google rank uh, or Google mm -hmm. listing. They click on that, and here's their introduction. So it's right. a fine line. Okay, I, I got to jump in, all of that in here, guys. All right, here comes I got to jump in here. Here comes Gina. Hi, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Brian. Usually I let Jack take the lead, and I just sit back and listen. But this one I, I can't just do that with. All right, there we're going to make are, Gina work today. There are two kinds of revenues that come into your business, those that are first-time buyers and those that are already customers who buy a second time, mm -hmm. usually at a higher price point. You'll agree with that, right, Brian? 
Oh, absolutely. So getting indexed in mobile is not just for those first-time buyers. It's also for those people that are already customers that are going to buy again. One of the weird things that I have really noticed the last year or so that's unusual, it used to be that someone who was already my customer, they'd have a bookmark or something that would allow them to go directly to my website. Mm -hmm. But I think in part because of the way mobile works, our customers have gotten lazy over the last couple of years. And they're not relying on bookmarks as often as they used to to get them back to our website. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in webinars and I give controls to one of my students and I'm watching their screen and I tell them to go to this particular thing on DU, do you know how they do that? They They go to Google. Right. And I've actually asked the question, do you do this on all your devices? Oh, yeah. Well, the place they listen to the podcast at more often than not is actually on their cell phone. The Mm -hmm. people that are most likely to know to go and search for Brian Basilico Bacon Podcast are really going to be those repeat buyers, the people that are already your customers. And they're mm-hmm. not going to go directly to baconpodcast.com. They're going to go Google Brian Basilico Bacon Podcast recent episode or some other thing similar to that. I so agree with you 100%. If you're not showing up on mobile, you could hurt that back-end revenue. You could, but what the point that I'm trying to bring up is if you tell them where to go, and at the end of every podcast, I know it's audio, I say visit us at www.baconpodcast.com, and you ingrain that in their heads, they don't go search as much. Also, if you're, if you're communicating with them on a regular basis, if you don't have a separate email list for your clients and communicate with them in a separate word and give them the opportunity to know that you have the podcast and that you have a new product or new service, that's another way that you can actually direct them with a direct link. So I, I think those are all as incredibly important as also get making sure that your Google mobile setup is correct. Oh, we are yeah. all super advanced power users of our computers. And all of us have our computers set up so that if we type a URL in our browser, we're going straight to that URL. Mm-hmm. I cannot even tell you how often I see people who type in a URL and it doesn't do that. It instead brings them to a search engine where they mm-hmm. have a listing that shows that entry and then they click from there to get to it. It blows sure. me away. It's one little setting. I, I used to laugh. So remember when people used to search on Google? Because Google would fills in, you know, do you want to go here or whatever based on what you're typing. And you'd start typing you, and it would the drop down would be uh, YouTube.com. And when we, you know, when that was happening, Google was only getting that data to suggest to you when people were typing in the URL YouTube.com in a Google search box, not in their, not to go straight to the URL. They were literally searching for YouTube.com, and then having Google bring yeah. up the link and then clicking on it. Instead right. of going straight there, that was years ago. It's different now, but it was just, it was kind of funny. 
The other thing is, is lost people. Your clients that you already have may not remember at the time that they're looking for, like uh, if they came to our entrepreneurial authoring workshop, they're already a client of it. They went through the workshop. They learned how to write a best-selling book and promote a best-selling book. And mm-hmm. uh, then later on, they're like, I'm really interested in joint ventures. I wonder who knows about that. Make a search for some free how to do some joint venture info. If we are not in search for joint venture stuff, if we're not connected to them via social, which will change the Google results personally for them to show that we have a joint venture systems workshop or master class, then we're missing out. And so are you if any of that kind of stuff happens. So we want to make sure that we're connected on social too. One of the biggest tricks out there is to, to pay attention to Google+, Plus because every time you put something on Google+, Plus and that person is, is, has circled you on Google+, Plus, you're very, very likely to be in their search results for all kinds of stuff that you've talked about related to any search that they might have. If you're a marketer and you teach people how to market, and they're going out and doing random searches, they forgot about you. They forgot about Directions University and that we have five or we have six major master classes that cover the five you know, main things that you have to do for your business, and they forget. Mm-hmm. And then they get reminded when they go to search because they're like, well, let me go look at joint ventures. I need to know more about that. And bam, there's DU again. Or me uh, right. on my Google Plus profile or something else. And it reminds them that we catch a lot of people who might spin off to competitors because they just forgot of everything that we have, everything that you have. Mm-hmm. Yep. It not only affects their search results, Jack, it affects the search results for every person connected to them on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail, three levels deep. So their friends, their friends' friends, and their friends' friends' friends all get to see your site higher up in the search results just because they happen to have been on your site one time while logged into Google. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well... So how do we calm everybody down now that we've opened up this Pandora's box, you guys? That's, <laughs> I mean, now everybody, we're the trying bacon it. Podcast the whole premise over. of the show is to calm people down, and now I think we may have started freaking them. Wait, there's a trillion more possibilities. Oh, my God. <laughs> Send them to the Bacon Podcast. I have a nice podcast yeah. about overcoming overwhelm. It'll be okay. I agree with that, Brian. <laughs> Well, that was yeah. one of the reasons I come up. I came up with a question earlier on: was how do you, what are kinds of the kinds of really out of left field ways that people find you? And this mm-hmm. is that you don't have to know all of the things that we just talked about right. for it to work in your favor. It's working in your favor now. If you're active on social and you're active and you're out there getting your message out there, that's why I asked that question earlier because that people will come and find you in ways you never expected that you did not design for them to do so, and it's a pleasant surprise. And, you, and it was yeah. great because you didn't have to know that to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, but the key thing is you just got to keep your eyes wide open because um, you never know. I, there's always that lightning in the bottle thing where just it just happens to be the right thing at the right time and it turns into – the 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 thing that changes your business changes your life you know or it can be as Gina was saying you know building that steady stream of second round income um, you got to know your analytics you got to know where to look and so I I really think the most important thing that people could do is get help from you guys or somebody else who so at least they can get their arms around what's necessary 
that's the key. It's what's necessary in my business versus where are all these cats running and which one do I catch? And, you know, a lot of times, one of the things I've learned in business is, um, I've heard this from a handful of different coaches, and they all say the same thing, chase two rabbits, catch none, chase one rabbit, catch a rabbit, eat it, go catch another rabbit. Um, <laughs> you have to know which <laughs> rabbit to catch, though, right? Yeah. The big, fat, juicy one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody so, go so out and get your juicy rabbits. Yeah, so that's, but the key is you got to know what to do. I mean, and and that's I think that's where a lot of this comes into play is there are a lot of moving parts. Um but the the analogy I gave with the speaker to the mixer I think still bodes true here is is what the end result is the most important piece of this puzzle. So do you think that you could possibly in 60 seconds tell everybody what you would do if you didn't have all your websites, you stopped, where would you start? You can't go through the whole thing because you only got 60 seconds, but where would you start? If, you, if the Bacon Podcast, all that stuff went away, and you've got this ocean of opportunity uh, just staring you in the face, potentially giving you that sense of overwhelm that cripples most people, where do you start if you were starting over? If I start over, I go out to networking events, meet, meet people face-to-face, and do one-on-one coffees. So that's where I would start. Nice. How many people thought? Well, that wasn't even 10 seconds, man. Good job. Well, that's, but that's the cornerstone. That's that's a, like it, see, if you can't, if you can't lower use all the tools, or raise build a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. No, it's good. Well, that, that's, that's, absolutely, that's absolutely the best answer to that I've ever gotten. You know, Thank you. Uh, you. I think a lot of people think, well, I'm going to have to give some kind of answer that incorporates, you know, serious leverage on the internet and digital stuff and everything else because that's what he's asking. And maybe I thought I was asking that, but you came right back with a, a very unexpected, but the best answer. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the whole reason so, I'm talking to you guys today is because we met face to face in Atlanta, and we're in three different locations. We started a relationship because we did that. And that's why that's the most important tool in business, and that's why I preach it. Yeah. So where does anybody get started with you? Where's the best place to meet, Brian, and uh, get, into your, get into your vortex? Well, the best place to get into my vortex is go to either baconpodcast.com or go to brianbasilico.com. This is B-R-I-A-N-B-A-S-I-L-I-C-O. Both of those places, they all kind of intertwine, but at least you'll get some contact information. You can get all of my Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest, all that kind of stuff. Wherever you're comfortable connecting with me, I'm comfortable connecting with you. Awesome. Well, Gina, I'll let you take us out. I'm dropping the mic. This was a great one. Thank you so much, Brian, for showing up today. No, thank you, Jack. It was a pleasure. uh, Sharing with us. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I am really looking forward to being on the Bacon Podcast. I don't have the date for you guys, but just watch DU. I will definitely be announcing it there as soon as we've got the date. Thank you again. We will be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. In the meantime, go check out the Bacon Podcast at baconpodcast.com. Have a great week, everybody. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.